and they turn into these huge fucking shit demons when actually if you just talk about it you realize that it's it's just a little fart hello and welcome i'm steve and i'm al and i'm brett and I'm confused as to why Al is so delayed between the audio and the visual. And this is And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the pressured ponderator. Uh gentlemen, how are we? Uh Al, seeing as you're ever so slightly delayed, how are you? Well, that's funny because I was already finished drinking by the time you saw me put my bottle down. So I know. Ooh, <laughs> jokes on you. Um I'm good. I'm good. I've had um I don't know if you guys experience the same because um, you don't have real jobs, but um, weeks just absolutely fly by for me now, like ridiculously. Yeah. It was getting, it was accelerating all through last year until it got to the point where it was like Monday was just instantly Thursday and then Friday. And then it, and there was just this running joke at work that everyone's like, oh, it's Friday again. And it started to get really creepy and to the point where it's just like, I have no concept of time anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is a global um, phenomenon, if everybody's like experiencing the same thing. Um, just because maybe the monotony of the situation we're all in, um, mm. but time has completely changed for me. Yeah. But weirdly, this week, um, it's been, it's like I've been running on two time timelines. Yeah. That's, that's been happening. But then at the same time, I've been, I've been sort of, doing like a million things and being able to do a million things and not feel like massively like stressed or pressured. And it's all like I've looked at the things, the the date on things that I've like files that I've saved. Yeah. And it was only like yesterday. And I was like, that felt, that felt was like a week ago. This is insane. (laughs) So I've got this, this duality going on with, with time at the moment. It's it's really messing with my head, but I'm I'm enjoying with it. I'm I'm just, I'm going with it and I'm assuming I'm not like having some sort of breakdown. Um, But yeah, I've been, I've been having loads of fun. So nice. um, Last week when we talked about me, hopefully getting the, um, the Jeep, the Vitara to um, turn into a camper van. Very, very excited. I'd already, um, kind of sent the message on eBay and like, oh yeah, I'm well interested, I'll come pick it up. Um turns out he was like a super old dude, obviously, because he had a Suzuki Vitara. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 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 equivalent of a CRV in the in the nineties. Um and he'd already sold it. Yeah. And he, he was he was very nice about it. He obviously just never checked his emails or didn't look at like the eBay account or anything, but he'd, he'd sold it to someone local. So I was like totally bummed out because this was like a perfect specimen. And then straight away, I found another one. Um, nowhere near as good, like nowhere near as like good condition yeah. or the mileage. And the thing is, the mileage on the Vitara only goes to ninety nine thousand, and then turns over. It's over. Oh my god! So so mine went. I'd already gone round twice. So mine said forty thousand. It was actually on two hundred forty thousand. <laughs> um, but the 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 one that I talked about last week generally was on like thirty thousand because it was yeah. in beautiful nick. Um, but I found this new one, and again, it says thirty thousand. But I can tell just by looking at like the photos on eBay <laughs> that it's, it, it has never seen thirty thousand pounds. Um, yeah. But even that, even one hundred and thirty, is not bad for a thirty-year-old car. Right. Um, and there's like there's very little rust on it, which is again great for for like a Japanese car of that age. Mm. So hopefully, at some point this week, I'm going to go and get that. But I've been what I've been doing in the meantime 
is like prepping, getting all the stuff, other stuff that nesting. I need. nesting for this for this camper van. Um, so like looking at like spare parts, looking at like uh, breakers yards where I can get like you know replacement doors if I need to, or like um, any electrics or like spare wheels and rims and shit. Um, and and then that led me into after the, my mini disc expedition. I was like, "Can I get a mini disc deck for the car?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, you can. You can get one for one pound." So there was there was a, um, a, a an auction on eBay for a, a mini disc deck, Sony mini disc deck for a car for like one pound and nine or something. And, and there was no bids on it. I was like, "I can't not buy this." <laughs> and 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 as I mentioned, like as with all kind of these. They all say vintage, which is so weird to hear the word vintage <laughs> yeah. about something from like your childhood. But I guess mm -hmm. it's 20, 20, 30, no, 20 years ago. No, yeah. 30 years, no, 20, let's say 25, <laughs> 25 years ago. Um, so yeah, maybe it is vintage. Um, and it said for parts or spares, not working. And yeah. all it needed, like all these things, all it needed was cleaning. So I just took it apart, cleaned it, and I've got this fully working like deck that I'm going to put in the, in the in, hopefully when I, when I get this car. Um, will be the sound system and it'll fit perfectly with it this this like sort of retro vehicle with a retro sound system yeah um but i can't wait but yeah i've just been fixing stuff up and and um mostly up until now getting ready for super bowl which is tonight so um since last week phil from eight trades had put in uh like a drinks menu in the fills with tools group i don't know if anybody managed to see it yeah um for tonight so people could make cocktails and stuff obviously you can drink those cocktails any time of the year so hopefully that post is still there it's incredibly comprehensive goes into a lot of detail it's a about really how to... good post it's brilliant yeah um about all the ingredients you need to make uh, really simple simple and classics um and i was like all right i need to um do some food to go with this so i just put together a really short menu just like classic super bowl food like chili wings ribs yeah, uh, dogs like uh, nachos, tacos, all that kind of stuff, um, and just did a quick kind of few little simple recipes. Put that on my Patreon, but it was like a public post, so anyone can look at it. So it's not just for patrons. Just uh, w quickly, whilst we're on that um, that topic, go on. I I'd just like you to for the, for those that haven't seen the post, um, I'd just like you to elaborate a little bit on your feelings towards kidney beans in chili. So. <laughs> there was a. I was actually going to ask the same question, Steve. There was the, the, there was a a rise in, let's say, I don't want to say ethnic because it's the wrong word, but um, continental foods in 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 the UK in the sort of the late seventies, eighties, <laughs> where people stopped eating meat and potato and two veg, which was kind of yeah. the British staple. And started eating like foreign things like pasta and <laughs> and and you know uh, pizza and lasagna and chili con carne and essentially what they were it was the the same recipe of boiled beef mince just with yeah. different things thrown in so you'd put a tin of tomatoes in if it was spaghetti bolognese or you'd put a tin of kidney beans if it was chili con carne and then that then became just the staple of what chili was yeah um and for you know my entire childhood i, I thought chili was beef mince Tinned tomatoes, kidney beans, and then you know whatever boringly mild spices might have been in the in the kitchen cupboard that were yeah. already six years out of date. Um, until then, I found out what real chili was. And it's like you don't put 
beans in chili. Beans are a separate <laughs> dish. Have beans by all means. You know, it's all going to come out the same yeah, in the yeah. end. But that it's that is cook your beans separately. Enjoy your beans separately. But chili is like a stew, and it's chunks of meat and and lots and lots of chili and spices. It's not yeah. tins of tomatoes. Don't put any fucking tomatoes in it. Like all your sauce and flavor comes from the meat and the juices and the 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 blend of chilies that you put in there. Um and when I found this out and, and started experimenting and, and I was like, this is a whole new world. This is a whole new dish. This is incredible. Yeah. It's like stew but like delicious and spicy. So yeah, it, I think it was the uh I think it was the babish one on chili that that really clicked it for me. Like right. the idea of using actual dried peppers yeah. and chilies and cutting them up and making your own chili paste and all of that I was like holy shit and like you said the idea that actually you, you don't need to use mints you can use chunks of <laughs> delicious like, chunks of like fatty yeah tender. Like, oh. such a better idea why why have i been using mints all these years yeah and pork as well like like pork yeah. shoulder like why why is everything beef it's like yeah that's not what they eat necessarily in mexico or yeah. you know south american cuisine there's a lot of pork going on um but yeah, just really get into it. And, and like you're saying about the the dried chilies, it's like you can fresh mm. chilies, yeah. soaking the kind of whole um, anchos and stuff and reconstituting them, and that's got a totally different flavor profile. You've got chili powders and chili flakes, and it's like, oh, my God, this is insane. And you can just go into it. It's like wine. You can just dive yeah. into this world. So that's a proper chili. So that's what I've made. It's cooking yep. now. I need to go and stir it at some point because it's been on for about <laughs> three hours. <laughs> Love it. That's me. Um, cool. I'll, 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 otherwise, I'll go on all night. Yeah, uh, that sounds amazing, man. I'm super excited for you, um, Brett. What about you? What delicious foods have you been cooking today, this week? Uh, we made tri-tip and broccoli and rice, which is the Mega Ranch standard. There are no spices other than salt and pepper, <laughs> and. The broccoli is cooked in coconut oil. If anybody wants to really nice, like, if you're not super into broccoli and you just steam it, then you're doing it wrong and have been forever. Don't ever fucking steam broccoli <laughs> or vegetables in general. I hate them. Um, coconut oil, salt, pepper on broccoli nice. will blow your brain out. It's so good. And that's honestly like anytime a traveler comes in or a fellow maker friend and they, they stay in the area, we always do this tri-tip broccoli rice thing it's just nice. meat and veg and rice and it's one of the best dishes and ben cooks <laughs> it like once a week so um get a bit spoiled there uh so ow i have to make my own little comment like the chili thing i grew up for i don't know probably 15 years of my life chili was beans and ground beef or yep. mince and like pre-made packets that were just like chili spices. <laughs> throw it all together. Salt and, and paprika. Salt yeah. and yeah. So I never really knew what chili was until I got out of my home. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame it on my mom, but like I needed to explore elsewhere to figure out what chili was. And then I saw your recipe and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I want to make that so bad. <laughs> so good. I hope uh listeners go. And either become a Patreon or at least just read the fucking post. It was it was deliberately democratic that post. It was um, mm. open to everyone. So 
It's good stuff. It, it got me excited as well about just like writing recipes in general and sharing. Yeah, because like yeah. that's and that's that's one percent into chili. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as a subject, that's right. That's a, a white Englishman talking about his his experience <laughs> yes. ever been to South America or Central America um, talking about his experience with Chile. So that's, that, that's a, a massive rabbit hole to kind of, to go down. Well, and I, I also appreciate the fact that even though we've had a bunch of conversations about food, be it on this podcast or in person, you have this way of approaching food that is just no ego no nonsense. You worked in the industry for enough years, but you don't hold this like, I am a chef and I know more than everybody else. Everything that you listed on that post is stuff that everyone can make at home, <laughs> but it's all bumped up from whatever we see in the pre-made or the pre-packaged stuff. So I always love your approach of just going, yeah, but if you just take 10 more minutes, <laughs> you can do your own thing and it's going to taste a million times better. It'll be cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I finished the skull hammer, which after posting it on Instagram, everyone, I, I was like, what do we call it? And then it was a resounding skull crusher. I was like, <laughs> well, I feel like that says it's it's meant to crush skulls and not so much about the piece, but whatever. Silly name. Um, Jeremy Froberg was the only person that did a syn synonym version of that and called it cranial distress. <laughs> like, nice. beautiful but it needs its own box if it's going to be cranial distress it's like old old uh brainless you know so finishing the hammer was hilarious uh just because it is the biggest piece of steel i've moved around and i you know i luckily had the help of, of the local guy i've been to a few times just to be able to use machines it was a really fun process but it you know by the time i got done with the video i realized I, I want to be able to do a little bit more sculpting and put my, my artistic spin. Oh, I wasn't even going with that. Um, it's it's a way to, you know, all the sculpture stuff that I'm working for on for the fossils. I love it because it gets to be this organic process and I get to put my own little spin on uh, whatever visuals I'm trying to achieve. But when it comes to making tools, or anything that's a little bit more um, utility and not so much sculptural. If I'm going to do any of that, not as a production run and not that I'm going to try and get into making these things full time, but if I'm going to, how can I impart my own artistic approach to separate it from the, the norm, right? We, we know enough hammer makers and tool makers nowadays. It's all well and good. I love that everyone's finding business doing those things. But I, for the longest time, have looked at it and gone, well, if I was going to do it, they would all just look the same as everybody else's, <laughs> which is just the, you know, the the artistic conundrum of, I want to be different, and I'm, I'm a snowflake unique person. <laughs> There's a reason hammers look the way that they do, but I, I think it was a good first step in terms of exploring like how I can inject my own creativity into a project that is otherwise just a utility tool. Um, aside from that, uh, I've got, but, but I, th I think that is, that is important, Brett. It's like, it's like the pizza oven. You could have just made a pizza oven, but you didn't. You made a pizza oven with personality and yeah. probably the first pizza oven that was ever shaped like that. So I, I think <laughs> there's, there's, there's merit in having a bit of fun along the way. Yeah. 
Well, it's it's form versus function, right? Yeah, it's the same but it, thing. it's still a hammer that's going to yeah. function exactly as it should. Oh yeah, yeah. and it it fucking did because <laughs> I heated up some steel and it <laughs> it hit really well. There's no dents on the front of it, and I was hitting, you know, the mild steel the mild steel that we have over here, Steve. Uh, after many, many researches and also reading the knife engineering book, mild steel nowadays, unless you're buying true mild steel, um, some of it's like case hardenable, you know, or it has a higher enough carbon yeah. content where it really hardens up. And I remember Alex during the axe making course just being like, there is no way this is mild steel because it's all breaking <laughs> or cracking or whatever. And he was... yeah. He, he was very confused at why it was so, it seemed so brittle after quenching. So, anyway. Do you that's just long term for like durability and like corrosion resistance? It's, no, it's, it's because, it uh, no, it's just because they uh, put shitloads of um, recycled steel in with ah, it. Right. So, it's ah, just about a mixture of everything. There you go. Right. Well, anyhow, uh, <laughs> the hardening and tempering process, I was happy that that all worked out well. Um, it handled up nicely considering I hadn't made a handle in a while. It was just nice to revisit that process again on something so large and unwieldy, but swings like a treat. I really <laughs> wish, uh, there could be an opportunity to like go to the UK, hang out in the forge for a couple of days, but bring that hammer. But I know it would be a nightmare <laughs> to try and get it on an airplane. Um, <laughs> so aside from that, there's the constant to-do list which seems to be getting a bit smaller and i'm happy about that uh, the cabin stuff is hopefully um I, I feel like i tell you guys this every week they're like by next week maybe i'll give you some good news we are in a good news spot with the cabin having sent off a couple of those last checks that i was telling you about and i'm just waiting to hear back from uh the county people if those were the correct checks to cover everything or if these are kind of tertiary things that they had listed before it feels closer is what i'm getting at everything actually feels like i'm making progress versus say six months ago when i told you guys oh it seems like this is all i have to do which was a complete <laughs> lie but i didn't know any better um the family that we helped over the last couple of weeks uh was kind enough to let us take some things off of the property as payment for our time super sweet of them but i ended up getting a few old tools which aren't necessarily worse for wear because the guy really took care of what he had but i believe we've got some restoration things to work on here in the near future one of which is a pexto metal break i love that thing <clears throat> but if you're not into sheet metal work I don't know if you'd ever be on the lookout for one. They're just a really good piece of kit. And it turns out it's going to feed into some of the projects I want to do for the cabin. So the idea of being able to start planning on these, these build videos or these machines that I'm going to restore, they, I can do a video for Skull and Spade, but then they'll show up again when I start making videos for the Forged Home stuff. And that's going to feel really nice just to know that Everything I was hoping a year ago to go, oh, I'll make videos here and then they'll go here and then I'll get to get the DIY audience, the home renovation audience to look into the craftsman side of things and like what we that all was, do. That was the whole plan, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, it All of this to say, it just feels like it's getting more real and I'm starting to 
recognize the potential and how builds will cross over or I can do various projects for the cabin once it's signed off on and really be able to move back and forth between those two worlds. I think it's going to work out really well. And it just, it, it does feel like a huge undertaking, but I think I said it a week or two ago that I just feel very invigorated now of like, yes, it's all, it is coming around the corner. It's not as fast as I wanted it to be, but it actually feels like it's making a forward progress, which is good. Nice. That's it for me cool. <clears throat> between finishing the hammer and getting through the to-do list. Yeah, we good. Nice. I mean, I think like it's good to hear that the um, the hammers all finished up and the video's done and and out getting a good response. Uh, it kind of sucks that the cabin is perpetually in that same <laughs> state of like we're so close. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully, we'll, I we'll just want to call the power company. Yeah, <laughs> switch That's me on. It. Yeah, and they keep telling me you can't call them until you have this one piece of paperwork from us and you can't get that paperwork from us until you pay all the things. Yeah. <laughs> God but damn it. Hopefully it won't be too much longer until we can have a little party. Um, speaking party, party. of parties, uh, last week, did I, had I planted the chilies? Had I talked about the chilies? There was no chili week? talk last week. Do you so, have a Carlos? That was this week, Steve, chili talk. That was, it was this week. So, um, I uh the the chilies that I had last year all kind of basically got eaten by aphids because yeah. normally like every year I've got about 3000 ladybugs in each <laughs> and every fucking window and this year there was none there was no ladybugs in the we entire Oh we're we talking indoor here. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Those indoor um, aphids. Yeah. They, they were all at Janie and Dan's. Yeah. They were absolutely <laughs> like decimating my chilies. So they've all died. Um, but I was planting some tomatoes for later in the year and uh, had like some extra trays. I was like, ooh, I happen to have a little tiny pot of chili seeds. So I went out. I have no idea what kind of chilies these are. And they're different types of seeds as well. So there's like one one row of big seeds, one row of little seeds, one row of medium seeds, one row of leftover seeds. These seeds are far away. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm hoping that some of them at least uh, grow and we get some lovely chilies um, this year. And it's it's quite nice because uh, because things are starting to brighten up and i realize we're supposed to have snow again next week but like it seems like the days are getting longer that you know it's not a case of going to work and coming home in the dark anymore um and it, it kind of feels like spring is actually just around the corner and there's good things on the horizon um so as much as possible i've been trying to get outside and like sort the garden out and like clear out the old veg patch and start building things up for the summer um which has been really nice um, especially like the fact that we're still in lockdown. So I, I still can't go out and see people and do things. So it's been quite a nice, uh, little bit of therapy and a little bit of way of putting that work in now. Um, but because of, uh, like the, the Super Bowl party and the post that you put up Al and the post that Phil put up about the cocktails, um, I, I got talking about cocktails and parties and, yeah, you know, the the potential. I was talking to a friend about um, possibly doing a 
party at some point, like not even necessarily this year, maybe next year, maybe someone else uh, that's like a 50s themed party. Ooh, nice. But but not just like, oh, let's just get fancy dressed. Like all of the drinks and all of the cocktails are like themed for that. So it's going to be all like Cinzano and shit like that. <laughs> and, um, and then doing like the food is the same sort of thing and like have everything as authentic as possible and make it a real event. Um, and then because of that, I was then watching uh, a how to drink episode and the same friend, we started talking about tiki mugs. So I was watching the, one of the tiki how to drinks, uh, which then just got me super excited. And I was like, right, I'm going to make a cocktail now because I want to drink and looked in the cupboard and there was very little to drink. So I was making random cocktails and from that got excited and started talking to another friend who used to run uh, one of the local cocktail bars back in the day when I used to be young enough to be able to go out and drink and function the next day and um, got talking to him and we've now decided that actually we might just hire a village hall like when the world's <laughs> open again we might just hire a village hall and basically have a we're going to pretend it's 2010 again here is the cocktail list from the old bar and we're going to make this many of them come along and get drunk with us is there a way um, you could get around like licensing by just saying it's a like a private party uh so the way that the licensing laws work here is it depends on the 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 village hall itself some of them have a premises license so you can do it there as as long as um they have a dps or de designated premise supervisor uh who i've got a level two license i could yeah <laughs> as i say who, who allows you uh or the other option is you do a um temporary events notice uh attends and that's like a it's it gives you a temporary license to sell alcohol, um, but you need a licensee for that. Luckily, the said friend is a licensee. Mine, unfortunately, has has lapsed. Although I think I could still apply and get my license back. I think you can just refresh it. I don't think you have to do the thing again. Yeah, I, guess, but... I love how Brett's talking about trying to get into his own house. <laughs> Steve's talking about the logistics of running a party in the village hall. <laughs> yeah, we're so fun. Um, but yeah, so basically, like we're we're talking about like doing all the old cocktails and like all the music from back in the day as well, and just reliving our youths because all like all of us all really want to go out, and because we haven't been able to for so long, we all want to go out and and like have a bit of a party and have a bit of a drink and have some fun. But we're all also old and don't like people or the clubs that are around anymore or anything else. So we're like we want to go out, but we don't want to go out there. Uh, so it kind of feels like it would be a good time to do a little bit of a party, um, which has just put me into party mode. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that I kind of, because we, we, we were talking about, and we were talking about going back behind the bar and me and Kieran running the bar. And one of the things that I loved about being behind the bar was the fact that you were just under constant pressure. So, you know, you were always having to, like, there was always more people waiting and there was always a, a time factor in it. And, um, and it was a really nice thing to kind mm -hmm. of thrive off of that pressure. And um, and again, like, even as a uh, as someone that's working, you still get to hang out with your friends and still get to do stuff. So getting to see your friends is, is great, even if you are working. Um, and it was really nice seeing... Uh, speaking of friends, seeing Red's video um, recently this week, the We Need to Talk video, uh, where he was talking about um, the fact that he's kind of felt a bit 
pressured into uh, doing what he thinks he should be doing for YouTube and like sticking to things that are going to work well for the algorithm and all this. And the fact that he's just gone, actually, you know what? I don't need any of that pressure. I don't need any of that bollocks. I'm just going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because that's why I started doing this thing in the first place, rather than bowing down to that that pressure of, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. He's just going, no, this is not, that's not what I want to do. I want to be me. Um, I don't I don't know if you can hear Murphy's dreaming on the sofa at the moment. So I'm going to say this. Murph, shut up. Um, but yeah, so I've forgotten what I was saying. Something about Red being fucking delightful. You just uh, had a great um, opportunity for a segue and then screwed it up. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it's funny you say, Steve, about the um, the the pressure behind the bar because it, I have a I have a recurring nightmare um, <laughs> from my from my days of, of, of running a bar, and and it was almost not that it was a bad experience, but just that constant time pressure um, yeah. that you're under in that situation that it's just relentless from the yeah. moment the doors open till like. The moment the bell rings, you just have to make things do things as quickly as possible. Um, and there's one place I worked; it was a really, really classy cocktail bar, yeah. like probably one of the best in Sheffield. And yeah, that, that's not saying much, though. Well, yeah, it's like the, the, <laughs> the tallest dwarf. Um, but we were under that pressure, and it was the same pissed clientele, drunk clientele. Yeah on a Saturday night or whatever that would have been in any of those bars. Yeah. But we had standards and we were making proper cocktails yeah. with proper like ingredients and bitters and, and like real fresh fruit and, and all this stuff. And we didn't need to, we could have just been selling like blue cocktails or yeah. green cocktails yeah. and would have made just as much money. But we imposed this kind of pressure on ourselves in terms of the standards yeah. and the ingredients and, and, um, I think someone was talking about the quality of vodka on Facebook earlier this week. It might have been Laffy yeah, yeah. or Joel or someone. Um, or Chris Q. Um, and, and it was the same. We had the we had to have the right vodka and the right bourbon. Yeah. And, and like, it was unnecessary because the, the people in Sheffield on a Friday <laughs> night that were steaming were just throwing money at you at, yeah. you know, midnight. Yeah, were not tasting the drinks, and they weren't experiencing the, the 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 vapors and the fruit oils and all that stuff. It was it was a rel- It was you know it wasn't this little boutique um, speakeasy. It was yeah. just a massive like city center bar. Yeah. Um, but I have a recurring nightmare of that place and similar places where I'm I'm trying to make something good. Yeah. And. And I'm up against this time pressure, mm. and and it's like, hang on, it's not quite done yet. Hang on, it's not quite done yet. And then and then it's like in my nightmare, it's like it's going on for days, and I've still not yeah. finished it. And I'm like, are they still there? They're still waiting for my drink. And I'm like, I'm too embarrassed to like turn around and see. Are they gonna? <laughs> do they still? Are, are they? Are they paid? I'll I'll pay. Don't worry about. It. I'll pay. Yeah, uh, I just want I just want to finish this thing. <laughs> and, I, and I have the same nightmare about like working in kitchens. I'll go in and start mm. the prep, and then order up and it's like you've got 12 minutes for the mains and then, and then i'm still doing it and i'm still doing it and it's not going out yet so where is it so I've, it's got to be right it's got to be perfect it's got to be like and I, I just think there's like different kinds of pressure 
Yeah. There's 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 the pressure of there's the real pressure like of the moment. Like, yeah. Somebody wants this, so and it needs to be done, and they're stood yeah. there waiting. And then there's like self-imposed pressure, like I I want this to be great. I've got standards. Um, you know, I could do better. Yeah. And then there's like imaginary pressure, which is I think we all just make up, which is like <laughs> someone's expecting yeah. this or someone's watching me or it doesn't look as good. You know, so I find that there's this like trifecta of pressure that in equal amounts add up to yeah. just like unnecessary stress. <laughs> <laughs> so I I kind of love that. And I, I love the fact that you've, you've, you, you went into the fact that there is a the the different types of pressure and also the the kind of pressure that you impose on yourself um so i i worked in bars for years did um you? i did yeah uh one of the what was your we, profession uh, <laughs> i i was a barman uh that's why we were talking about that's why i said i worked in bars not on the door um <laughs> So yeah, one of the pubs that we uh, we used to work in uh, was the courthouse in Warsaw. It was city centre pub in Poland and it, Warsaw, not Warsaw. Enunciate, Stephen. <laughs> uh, and it, it was it was a fucking busy pub. It was it was one of the biggest pubs I think I've ever worked in, but also with the least amount of staff. Um, and I would take on my own on a single till more money per like. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, than the entire pub would take uh, with everyone working uh, in other bars with like more staff. And um, but that place, it was pints and bottles. That was it. Like you might do like a house double and coke, but generally it was just pints and bottles. And it was great because that place you could serve like four people at a time because you'd be pouring three drinks grabbing something else out of the beer fridge whilst also asking the next person what <laughs> yes. they wanted and giving someone else their change back. And it was brilliant. And I While loved, restocking. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved that pressure of like, it's just constant. Like there is, there is no excuse for you not to be doing at least three different things at the same time. And, um, and yeah, I thrived off of that and it was really, really good. And then, uh, immediately after that, one of the other places I worked, um, was a cocktail bar where the drinks were about five times the price of the one in that I'd, I'd been working at before, but you would serve probably an eighth of the people. Mm. And the pressure was completely different. It didn't matter how quick you were. Like obviously there was a certain amount of time pressure to it, but it was it was all about the you know, the cocktail looking perfect, the the garnish being right, this being right, that being right. And and the service and and how things like I mean the pub in in uh, the courthouse if someone was being an arsehole at the bar you could literally just turn around and say you know what fuck off I'm not serving you and move on to the next person it didn't matter just because you had the sheer volume of people that you you could be rude to people and it didn't matter like, obviously you weren't encouraged to be rude but if someone was being a bit too much then you could just say no I'm not serving you on to the next person and it was fine it didn't matter Whereas this next place, it was all about customer service. It was all about, doesn't matter how much of an arsehole they are, you are super polite, super enthusiastic and all of this. And um, and those different pressures, like I, in a weird way, I really enjoyed um, both of them for completely different reasons. Um, I took far more pride in my work uh, in terms of presentation and everything in the, um, in the second bar. 
but the first bar I had huge amounts of pride in the fact that I was able to serve like 15 people at once and and you know I could I could hear someone uh putting an order in where it was like 10 drinks long whilst I'm still serving someone else and still get the order exactly right and, and be able to add it up in my head so that <laughs> I was able to say right that's going to be this much so that they could dig around drunkenly in their wallet for the right change whilst I'm still serving someone else um and like I say, then the second one, it it was all about the um, the the presentation and the the kind of the little nuances of it all, and I think that's kind of goes into what we do in the in the maker world. Like you can you can bash out a a video or a piece of work or whatever, like every single day, every single week, whatever, and just be like, right, I'm I'm on it. Here's your content. I don't care how good it is, but I'm putting it out there. Or here's your product. I don't care. Just get it out. And you're doing loads and loads and loads. You're doing production work. Or which I mean and I don't mean that in a in a nasty, disparaging way. Like there's there is something great about doing that. And there's part of that that I really enjoy as well. Like I do production work for a living. Like that's it's a really fun thing to do. Um but there's also that uh, aspect of going right. Well, actually, I'm only going to put one video a month out, or I'm only going to make one piece of furniture a year, or I'm only going to make one knife a month, or whatever. But each one is going to be absolutely exquisite, and I have to make sure that everything on it is perfect. Whereas those, you know, where you're making, say, I was on skewers earlier on this week, like doing that. So like I'm going to make a hundred in a day, or sixty a day, or whatever it was, but. It doesn't matter then if a couple of them are fucked and I'm I get halfway through making it and go, actually, you know what? I don't have time to even bother finishing that or correcting that. That just goes straight straight in the scrap bin. Because the the pressure is different. It's not the pressure to make sure everything's perfect. It's pressure to to get it done as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um and different people react to those things in different ways. And like some people can't stand the the time pressure, whereas other other people can't stand the um like the perfectionist perfectionist pressure um yeah and I, I think i think they they do affect you in massively different ways yeah so to your point about the 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 real-time str- pressure and the 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 kind of the somebody's there waiting for it somebody's watching you mm. or somebody needs to be done that kind of pressure for me is fuel that, that I, i'm the same as you steve i thrive yeah. on that and that's yeah. like, yeah, we can come on, we can we can smash this, we get it done. It's it's like yeah. it's a it's a helpful pressure. It's like the opposite of boredom. It's like yeah, you, it's it's um, encouraging and motivating. Yeah. But then the other kinds of pressure, which are kind of the the self imposed and the the one that doesn't exist because you're just <laughs> making it up. Um, for me, they come burdened with a lot of stress it's 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 a lot more emotional and it's a lot more um personal as if it's to do with you or your values or your ability yeah. or your skill um because like being able to do things fast or be able to do things competently um is almost like that's that's your ticket to the game that's like your yeah. your this is what's expected of you yeah and even if it's brilliant and you can stand back and be proud of it, and everyone's really happy and, and satisfied, and, and you've done a great job. It's still almost like that is the expectation, and yeah. the the harder you work and the better you do, that keeps rising. So like you, your own worst enemy. Yeah. But to an extent, it's relatively stress free because you're just getting better at the things that you know how to do. You're getting faster at the things you know how to do, 
and it's like second nature. Yeah, and and the, the stress is just a, a motivator. But these 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 emotional ones and these ones that are just behind the scenes, like, is this right? Am I doing the right thing? What will people think of it? How will they react? Um, I'm doing something different. Like, ooh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, is it going to turn out? And that's a very very different kind of pressure. And and yeah, and I'd, I'd love to take your things on your take on it, Brett, because obviously you do a lot of things that are different, and you do a lot of things differently too people around you doing similar things you want to kind of not stand out but but put your own spin on things um and that's is that is that self-imposed or is that kind of expectations from around you what is it that's causing like that um, you know, I, I don't want to say pressure for you is if like you're under pressure bro you're stressed bro is it hard bro? <laughs> Yeah, honestly that's irrelevant yeah uh honestly the last few years i've been trying really hard to alleviate those self-imposed stress points because i don't know why it took as long as it did and i think there are people that just are inherently better at handling stressful situations um but i also think there's a big separator and i think this is what you guys were kind of getting at where there's a difference in my mind between stress and pressure hmm. i work very well under pressure i work not so great under stress yeah um with my approach to things or or the projects that i work on or what i choose to do for my work or for the content that i produce or whatever the hell it is I think it's a hundred percent self-imposed, but I also think it's something that I've been doing for years and years, just because if you look back at, or if I look back at my life and the series of choices that I made, everything came out of a situation of not being comfortable with the status quo. Um, I can't necessarily say that about Las Vegas. When I left Las Vegas, that was because the job market crashed, I got fired, and then I needed to figure myself out. And I ended up going back to Kansas City. But once I got there, it was, you know, a series of decisions that got made uh, between switching jobs and then moving to New York and then moving to upstate New York. Everything was this, I'm not comfortable with how things are. Hmm. Or I, I'm not comfortable with what the norm is here with whatever business I was working in. Um, and when it came to making the decision to leave upstate and Jimmy shop, I was getting to do what I wanted to do and I was getting to learn a lot, but, uh, the self imposed pressure of wanting to achieve my own goals and be my own brand and my own situation. It has absolutely nothing to do with, um, you know, jimmy and i's relationship it has everything to do with me wanting to get out and be an individual yeah so yes it's complete it is 100 self-imposed to want to go out and do that um i i do wish some of the decisions that i made were either earlier or i had gotten started on some processes earlier so this constant pressure that i feel to produce something different as far as being what is effectively a content creator full-time now. Um, I need to be able to stand out if I want that to be kind of a marketable yeah. facet of what I do. 
But if you look at brass tacks, I am a mid-30s white male blacksmith. Mostly blacksmithing. That's what I do. How many other blacksmiths do we know between the three of us that fit that exact same criteria? So as far as the projects that I make, because I try and put like a little bit more passion in them or because my background is, is more artistic or design-based, it's like I was saying at the beginning of the episode where that's my moment to step out and do something unique or alleviate the pressure of delivering a product because... I know that this thing takes extra time and that's why people don't do it or they don't know how to do that or don't know how to approach, you know, molding a skull into a piece of steel. I think every blacksmith I know could figure that process out and probably do more unique, um, you know, final products and stuff. But this was just kind of a proof of concept for me. But it was like, oh, but I can do more. And even in the middle of the video, I hit a moment of going, I could be done here. And I want to take it further. I want to see how far I can push it in this concept that I've got going on. This is a really roundabout way of saying all of this self-imposed stuff that I do, I've gotten better at handling. I, I know myself well enough to know this is just how I exist. I'm going to constantly challenge the status quo or the norm to see how far I can push things, not only for my own personal growth, but just... Uh, the aspects of making that we've talked about plenty of times before. I want to be able to walk into a situation naive so that maybe I can come up with a new idea or a new approach to something because I feel like that's healthy. And even if it's not me, I want to kind of impart that on the people around me or anybody that watches my content. It's like, tell me the weird thing that you tried that worked. Yeah. I want to know all the new stuff. I want to push the boundaries of what I've got. But the pressures that come from that are very real. You don't, you don't know <laughs> that you're either going to achieve something or fail at something. It is, a, it is a total gray zone every time you walk into it. So the fact that I've been doing YouTube for three and a half years or so more than that, I don't know. And like, there was a whole I, year went by you may not have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the projects that I've done and I like how much I've learned over these couple of years, but um, not to sound ungrateful about anything, but I still can't cover, you know, bills and I, I'm still not able to really embrace all of this because every project I do is like a, is this going to be the one that does well or probably not? I'll just continue doing this because I love making stuff. But that constant pressure in the back of my mind of like, you know, at a certain point you need to be able to uh, buy groceries, you know, on the regular or whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not at that point. I'm not trying to sound, you know, so worse for wear. But there are inherent pressures that come that are self-imposed. But I don't know, man. Just keep hitting, the, hitting my head against a brick wall, hoping to crash through at one point. I mean, that... that... I mean that in itself is pressure, isn't it? That's like, I, 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 it's almost like that's that's the, the mission that you're under. I, I love I love what you said just then, Britt, about the naivety, um, of certain aspects of of, of making or or kind of creative endeavors, um, because the second you try something new, I feel that that lifts a lot of pressure off, because it's almost like 
I'm not expecting to be good at this and I'm not expecting you to think I'm going to be good at this. I'm not expecting the outcome to be good. And I don't mean like going to watch a Zack Snyder film. I mean like I, <laughs> my, there is a lower pressure because you're kind of, it's, it's, it's an assumption that you're not going to be good at something immediately or it's not going to work first time um, or you're not going to pick it up straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like the unknown as a way to relieve pressure, which sounds counterintuitive. Like surely if you know something, it's less has less pressure because you know the outcome. Yeah. But the fact that um, you don't know what's going to happen, I think the, the principles-wise, it relieves a bit of pressure, certainly self-imposed because you you that, that with that naivety, I think it comes with a bit of a... Um, bit of bubble wrap a bit of like a safety barrier around you mm-hmm. uh and not to say like oh you know i'm new i'm new but <laughs> this idea that that you um you're already being brave yeah you know and 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 that 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 um sort of fearlessness is almost like the the antithesis of pressure it, it it's it, it, it's bouncing you off it's like so what you know i'm, I'm gonna do it anyway i'm gonna try yeah and you know what i'm just gonna get better so yeah. give it some time and that's just gonna fade away so i i love that 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 other side to it where the unknown and the naivety is actually a benefit mm-hmm. yeah see i find that really interesting because um we we within the workshop had a, a conversation quite recently about uh basically like everyone's roles and what we were doing and the fact that we um like the the guys that actually are are doing the work in the workshop kind of want to to try new things and, and do new things um but that creates more pressure because <laughs> it's it's a case of well uh, you know so for me for example like i can make say 30 pounds in a day and Al knows that right okay you can make 30 pounds in a day uh if Jimmy is going to come in and try out making pans within a couple of days he needs to be able to make 30 pounds in a day otherwise I'm losing money um and you know we we have not like set targets that we have to to hit but we have targets like we have like all all the prices on everything are um based on um uh, like the we can make this many in a day therefore we have to charge this much blah, blah, blah. Yeah. so if if things roll over then uh, or take longer then it starts costing us money so we we have to be aware of that so the idea of of trying new things even if it's products that we already make and training up on them sort of thing um there is added pressure on us because of that situation but i think within a a more creative thing so within content creation and something like that i think you're 100 percent right because you can put your hands up and say i don't know what the fuck i'm doing no i i love I'm the fact that there's two it. sides to it though steve i yeah. love the fact that you've got the counter side of it of like well in the production world yeah it, it you have to do it to, to stay relevant you you know yeah. you have to experiment and do new things but that with itself brings its whole new set of pressures it's quite yeah. multifaceted i like it so yeah, I mean that that's quite good because I've actually got a, a question for you based on the kind of the duality of things because um, going back to Brett's point about uh, the difference between pressure and stress, mm. for me, stress absolutely kills creativity. Mm. Um, 
it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't work well when I'm stressed. Like we've, like when we did the, um, you know, when I was working in IT, like if the shit hit the fan, that was an extremely stressful situation. Yeah. Um, and not just the the pressure, just genuine stress as well, especially if it's something that's been going on for a few days. Um, but with that, it's it's work, working through logical steps as opposed to being creative with it. Um, whereas if, you know, if I had to sit an exam and someone sat me down and said, right, make a thing, be creative, come up with a new way of doing this or whatever. I, I just, I couldn't do it. I, that kind of stress, uh, fucks with my creativity. I can go through standard things. And if I'm like, if I'm super stressed with my home life, I can, I can still go into work and I can do like, um, production work or, or like standard stuff that I know how to do. I can just switch off and I can, I can do it and over and over and over. And in a weird way, I tend to work better when I'm stressed because I just put like blinkers on and just go for it. But I can't deviate from that, that like standard path. Whereas for you, your job is to be creative in a really stressful situation. Um, and like that, that to me, I'm like, no, that, what? No, that, that, that can't happen. How, how do you do that? What, what the fuck? A couple of things. Uh, one thing I just wanted to pick up on when Brett was talking, he was talking about the difference between pressure and stress. Yeah. And it just got me thinking of like fundamentally, like in like the physics sense, pressure is like the force applied for externally mm. and stress is the weakness in a system. So like, you know, a stress fracture or the the, the tensile, tensile strength of the material, and it's like that. That is what stress affects. Yeah. Whereas pressure is just any any force from any direction, in or out. You know, it could be negative pressure. Yeah. Um, so it was just really interesting to think about the difference between those two things in relation to your own thought process. So it's just made me think about what stress is. Just a weakness. Stress is. Uh, an inbuilt nobody nobody applies stress to you or nobody gives you stress or nobody makes you stressful hmm. the stress is fractures that are already there in you yeah. um and they're brought on by pressure so yeah it, in terms of being create being creative in a stressful environment you just have to manage it so you just have to think about what those stresses are whether it's your own you know, am I going to get this done? Is it going to be good? Uh, are yeah. they going to like it? <laughs> and it's like in 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 what I do, I almost build support around that stress. Hmm. So it's not just like I drew a logo. Do you like it? <laughs> because that would be ho horrible. That would be terrifying. You know, is that, that would not be what your job is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in theory, <laughs> that's what people think my job is. But what my actual job is, is to create a strategic framework for that. So yeah. like a scaffolding around that fracture to go, what is it you want it to do? What what are you trying to say? Who are you trying to reach? What what do you believe in? What makes you different to everyone else? Blah, 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 blah. Million questions to get to a point where if you are then creative in expressing that, it's almost predetermined you can't argue with it so yeah. it take it takes the the subjectivity out of it so like if i was just like 
do you like it? <laughs> and and just waiting. And, and this happens a lot because sometimes mm. you don't have time to do all that. You don't have the budget to yeah, do yeah. all that. And it's and it's incredibly stressful because you just you just at the point you're at somebody's whim, yeah. whim of just whim. going. I like this. I like blue. I like dogs. I don't, you know, and and it's it's purely subjective and it's a fucking ball ache because yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. They're just talking about things they like. This is like every day I get this. I like this. It's like, I don't care what you like. <laughs> I'm not set. You know, you're not selling chocolate to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're trying to address a market or you're trying to address address a demographic or you're trying to reach a certain type of person. Is this correct? Yeah. And, and and that really helps alleviate the stress. And then the only stress then, and the pressure then is what you were talking about earlier, Steve, like the bar where it's like time pressure or volume pressure. And it's like, I yeah. know I can do that stuff. And then I've got my mates around me and they can help me with that stuff. And I can delegate because that's apparently a skill you're meant to learn. <laughs> um and and that just removes all that pressure. So all yeah. those all those things coming from you outside, like I need this, I need that. Can you send me these files? RGB. You can just <laughs> shut all that up. You can eliminate that with really simple steps. Yeah. Or strategic or pre-thinking. So I do a lot of like pre-planning and pre-thinking to avoid all of that pressure for externally. Just bounce it straight back off. Is that why I you don't do any of that when you're making stuff? Yeah, because there's the opposite. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's only me. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Brett. Sorry, you got your hand up. Well, no, I was going to make a comment based on that right there at the end, where you know, as as pressured as I feel sometimes, uh, seeing as out of the three of us, I'm I'm the one you know producing the YouTube videos as often as I am. So I'm just looking at this from the perspective of like when we're talking about YouTube nonsense and Red's video that we all watched, I love that he came out and said exactly what he said, which is, yeah. I, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to feel pressured by anything anymore. When I talked to you guys there at the end of the year, it was the same situation. Like, Al, I know you wish you had more time in the workshop and I know you got a thousand projects you would want to work on. Steve, the Forge channel is doing so well considering how much effort you've put into it and how much time you guys have had available to even produce the things for it, right? I think anybody that listens to this show would would agree that if either one of you guys were producing more content, we'd all love it. We'd all appreciate it. The fact that I spend more of my time doing that and making these videos as more of a full-time gig, I was getting tired of the pressure. Yeah. And it was so self-imposed and I, I kind of made up that other people were bugging me about RGB and CMYK <laughs> profiles and you know like what codec is my how's my resolution or my image compression all this nonsensical stuff that I think just because I dealt with it so much in the past I was just making it up I was creating reasons to feel all this pressure to produce and it's not like I have been getting uh sponsorships or anything on the regular to where I feel burdened by or obligated to produce something, you know, even if I don't really like it. I think red was a bit more eloquent in the way that he just, you know, we all know red and we love him to death that he's just put an like, accent. It'll sound eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> Friends. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I love this 
idea that because pressure or stress or however you want to look at it, stress, we'll, we'll say stress specifically, if it comes from the idea that you have internal weaknesses or maybe like some scars over the years of working with other people or working for other people, those are inherent. And it's how you either alleviate stress or bounce it off. If, if we were all so lucky to be <laughs> as resilient as you. It's like, it's like scar tissue, right? Because does it come back stronger? Yeah. Uh, that, well, that, you, know, you know, makes your fingers not be or, able to Or the, 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 the bones of boxes, you know, does it, does it fuse and actually become more dense and yeah. less likely to, to crack? Yeah. But everything that I was getting at and bringing up the content producing on the regular the idea that we're able to step away, especially when you're not doing YouTube videos all the time and you're in your hobby mode, working in your shop, building projects, who's bugging you about what finish you should use? And if it is coming from <laughs> social media that you should use uh, oil versus urethane, I'm like, why do we do that to ourselves? Or how do you, let me put it this way, Steve and Al, to both of you. How do you find ways of alleviating the external influence? And I'm not talking about social media stuff because I don't want to harp on the YouTube shit so much. But Steve, you work with a handful of people. How do you make sure that everyone runs like a whale greased engine and isn't, you know, fighting with Joe about burnt axe handles all the time because he just seems so upset about every time somebody burns <laughs> an axe handle? Uh, just the usual simple standard way of all all british people that work in a workshop you just call everyone a bunch of horrible names you <laughs> shout at them for everything they do wrong and then you tell them to put the kettle on and <laughs> you just just open communication when someone's being a dickhead you say you're being a dickhead why are you doing it like that like stop it uh and you, you just have to learn to be honest. Like one of the one of the most stressful things uh, that can happen is when you've got something that's bugging you, and you don't talk about it, and you let it build up, and it builds up, and it builds up, and you internalize that, and it goes round and round in your head, and it gets worse and worse and worse, and all of a sudden you're shouting at someone and being really aggressive to them because they put the teaspoon in the wrong drawer. Like that's a sin, though. <laughs> it's the first thing I could think of. You deserve that. Yeah. But uh but that's what I mean. Like it, it like generally with pressure and stuff like this, like stress is a fucker. It does weird things to people. And all too often people um people don't want to talk about the things that are stressing them, especially if it is something that is just small and ridiculous and doesn't like in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't matter. Um, like the smaller it is the worst people feel about talking about it but if you talk about it if you if you say actually this is this is really starting to bug me then you have that communication you 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 talk about it and before you know it you're going okay actually they've explained their position i've explained mine and now we're going to find a compromise or now i realize i was being a dickhead or now they realized they were being a dickhead like it's um i'm i'm a big fan of uh externalizing issues when they arise because otherwise you tend to uh, and everyone does it you, you tend to think about things too much they they get built up in your head 
and they turn into these huge fucking shit demons that you like get even more worked up and even more stressed about when actually if you just talk about it you realize that it's it's just a little fart and it's fine <laughs> and you don't you don't need to get stressed about it like and farts and- are spiffing What is it? The old guys always say, like the machine doesn't break because it breaks down or whatever. Is it? I know, I know, this is a <laughs> classic recording. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is it? The machine doesn't stop working because it break because because you broke it because <laughs> you stopped using it. What the fuck am I trying to what? think of? I have no what? idea. Seriously? Yeah. I don't. Well, you won't say it. If you say yeah. it, we'll know what you're talking about. Machine doesn't stop working because it break because. Seriously? It's when you don't use a machine is when it breaks because you broke it it's because you stopped <laughs> using it. It's more fun to just uh, say random words to you guys and hope that you... So, you know, know. like a machine is broken. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I found this gentleman on Instagram. If it's my... I'm going to be really, really annoyed. No, I already told you who I was doing earlier I know, on. and it sounds a little bit like mine. You're the worst. All right. So being the uh, video game fan that I am, but also crafty things... Uh, based around video games, I of course have been following Win Geeks Craft for quite some time. They are brilliant, and I think I'm just getting more and more suggestions based on these nerdy craftspeople. Uh, the gentleman's name is Malcolm Hoffman, and that will be in the show notes. But he is a, a prop maker, I think, specifically doing masks. It says creatures, cosplay, and masks, but. Most of what I saw on his profile so far is these amazingly detailed masks, some of which are, you know, characters from video games that he's made into kind of a higher fidelity version, Al, almost like we were talking about when you were sculpting the hand, where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's a Goron from (laughs) Ocarina of Time, which was just a bunch of polygons, and now he's (laughs) done one that really looks, you know, very realistic. But I've always been fascinated by people that are able to Uh, build up clay over like a face mold and then carve it back. And then anatomically it checks out in terms of, uh, I don't know, the proportions and and whatnot, just being able to see somebody wear a piece of art. Um, So I've been fascinated. He shows a little bit of his process. He's, he's got insight on products to use if you're interested in this kind of thing. And because he does um, cosplay and creature stuff uh, as opposed to just masks full-time. I think there's a lot to be gained if you're into crafty bits, clay work, um, forming, resins, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, He's going to be interesting to keep following. He's doing well on Instagram already. It's not like he needs our help to gain a bigger audience. What's the um, handle again? Sorry, but. It is Mad Prince Designs. All one word. Mad Prince. 
But yeah, I really like his work. And <laughs> obviously I'm a bit partial to some of the characters that popped up in his feed, just being from video games that I like. But super talented. I love seeing a slightly different nice. approach to yeah. the craft work. Uh, there's some really cool stuff on his feed. Yeah. Talking about the resolution stuff, Brett, it's it's like just seeing that instantly. It's like taking um punished props and then putting it into 4K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like textures and everything, material and detail and yeah. Like like gravitas. It all seems to have a bit more like something about it, right? To, yeah, like atmosphere to it. Yeah, I'm having a hard time kind of describing it, why it feels so different, but but hmm. something about it just visually seems like it's got more weight or yeah. more um, volume. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Love the work, yes. Love the work. Good, good shout. Uh, that's really fucking cool. I it's got just... a little distracted looking at that. Uh Oh, you are next. So this one is, there's two Instagram accounts. And I don't know why. I think it's two dudes, two Japanese dudes. Um, and the name of their main account is Do CDs. And it's D and four, one, two, four O's underscore CDS. Do CDs. But when you go to that, the their kind of twin account or sister account, yeah is mother factory which is a lot easier to remember um and they make <laughs> creepy as fuck like um ornaments that are like hyper realistic human flesh so they've made like a baseball that's like human but it's not gory so it's not like hellraiser that's it's just re purse. it's just it's just realistic so there's like a a, a die like a cube <laughs> It's a face, and so like one side of the, the the die has an eyeball on it, and one side has a nose on it. Um, but they're all kind what of animatronic as well. It's really creepy. So th they've they've made a a purse which is like a dude's chin, and you squeeze the purse for like coins, like a coin purse, and the mouth opens. So it must have like springs and stuff inside it. Yeah. It's all like got hair, and it's just really creepy <laughs> as fuck. Um, yeah, and like it's fucking horrific, and like just key rings that are just a nose or just not even a nose, just nostrils, like hairy yeah. nostrils that so you can look into this key ring. Um, oh my god, and, I hate this so much. Yeah, it's gross, but it's fascinating, and it's all super detailed. Uh, yeah, and it's all like hand punched, all the hair and stuff, and and all airbrushed, and it's all latex, so it looks like real fingers and then there's oh like god the phone cover yeah oh. there's, there's a weird mix of like tech but not in not in the cronenberg way not in like a juicy kind of yeah. videodrome way there's just a keyboard and it's all skin yeah <laughs> um but it's great and the detail's great um and it's they're obviously <laughs> just having a fucking hilarious laugh with it because it's all really creepy and funny I, yeah i like that going to their website it's just home about item category yeah the tabs and i i rolled over category and it's two japanese words and then the third one is human flesh item <laughs> <laughs> but you can just buy a uh i want to say ornament oh god they've got plugs and stuff in it they're obviously all devices 
But one's yeah. just a belly button. You can just buy like a flesh belly button that has hair. A belly stubble. belly button vinyl adapter. I, I don't know. Is it an actual vinyl adapter? <laughs> mm, yeah. <my> so very you, <laughs> I'm watch, I'm watching the the video and they put it, what what is he doing? Okay, so in the video on the post, he just he's got a record on a thing and he just puts the belly button in the middle of the record and then presses play and it just goes around in the middle like i, I don't understand what that's doing and there's like wall warts so it's just like a bit of flesh that you plug in and it's just a, yeah. a usb charger it's so bizarre you have to check it out um Fucking so brilliant. mother factory mother underscore factory is one account but the main the bigger larger account is is do cds yeah but yeah mm. it's it's bizarre that is and i love it amazing um yeah, good, good shout. That is fucking horrible. <laughs> um, well, there's some of it's animatronic. So there's there's what like the cube, which is like a human yeah. flesh cube. The eye blinks. Yeah, and the eyeball moves. It's just so creepy. But and they're not like one offs. There's like a stall of these things. So they go yeah. to like fairs and sell these things in the hundreds. So I don't know how they're making them or how much these cost. But I won't. Yeah, that, that's that's gonna give me nightmares. <laughs> um, yeah, no, good, good shout. That's uh, that's fucking terrifying. So, Steve, um, what blacksmith are you spiffing this week? Uh, I am <laughs> really funny. Uh, I've, I've actually got a twofer. I got two completely separate ones. Uh, one of them is another podcast um, by uh, Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Uh, they have the Off Menu podcast which is them interviewing various celebrities um, about like what their their dream menu would be. So the idea is, is that uh, they they sit you down and they say, right, you know, we want to pick whether you have still or sparkling water, um, bread or poppadoms, your starter, your main side dish, drink and dessert. Um, and it's fucking hilarious. They had Claudia Winkleman on, and I have never laughed so much at a podcast <laughs> ever. It's so is it allowed to brilliant. be eclectic? Can you have Indian oh, yeah, starters yeah. and yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. and and like some of them, uh, I can't remember who it was that they had on, but they um, like instead of having water, oh, it was it was Claudia Winkleman, in fact. Uh, so instead of having water, because she doesn't believe in water, she only drinks Diet Seven Up. Um, <laughs> And she thinks it's that you water. should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she thinks that you should be thirsty, and that people that get thirsty and drink water are weird. Um, so <laughs> instead of instead of having water, she just had a mug of mac and cheese, which yes. was perfect. Um, but yeah, it, that podcast is fucking hilarious. Um, I, I think both those guys are incredibly funny, anyway. So them together talking about food with other random celebrities can only be a good thing. Uh, I would highly recommend if you just want to check it out, they've got like a best of 2020. Um, that's the first one that I listened to. It, it was only this week that I listened to it. Um, and it just gives you quite a good idea of all the random shit that they, um, they get up to. So to anyone outside of the UK, all those names Steve just said are English people. Yeah. <laughs> English comedians and celebrities and stuff. It's, celebrities. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, panel show hosts, guests. They're not even hosts, they're panel show guests. Um, like, what is Claudia Winkleman famous for? I, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> even to me, that's a 20-year-old reference right there. <laughs> um, but the other one, uh, which 
kind of relates a little bit more to what we've been talking about this week is uh, I was browsing um, YouTube the other day looking for something to put on whilst I was uh, cooking and uh, Vanity Fair popped up in my like suggested thing uh, with something called Increasingly Personal Questions um, and the, 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 it's a series they're doing with uh, a number of again celebrities uh the only one that i recognized was uh billy eilish elish I- eilish <laughs> however you pronounce her name yeah um, i believe it's pronounced eyelash ah, um but the the actual format of the questions i found really interesting um so the setup that they have is they have a um a camera dolly with a camera sat on it and a guy uh and the 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 tracks are leading directly to the person who is like the, the person being interviewed who sat on in a in a chair and uh there's one guy sat on the dolly next to the camera asking the questions and another guy just very very slowly pushing the dolly towards them um and as the dolly gets closer the questions get more and more personal and um and like there's more and more pressure on the per- person to answer and it becomes more and more intense and I just found it really like genuinely put it on because I was like, what the fuck is this? This is going to be stupid. Like thinking I'm going to watch 30 seconds and be really annoyed. And um, no, I, I actually genuinely really enjoyed it. I think it's a really interesting format for um, for interviews um, because it, it puts the pressure on the person to answer these questions quite quickly. Um, and like I say, they, they get increasingly more personal. And yeah, I just think it's a quite an interesting take on the average interview format um and i'm quite looking forward to seeing if they if they do more with people that i might actually know um so yeah uh go check that out as well i think that's it uh any other business yeah we've got an al's anime almanac al's anime almanac hey um Technically not anime, although it is Japanese and it is animated, so I'm going to veto this one. <laughs> um, I discovered the wonderful world of Molcar this week. Molcar? Oh, my God. Be prepared. Okay. So there is a Japanese stop-motion show called Poi Poi Molcar, and it's everything in it is a guinea pig, and it's all made out of felt, and it's the most adorable, delightful thing you'll ever see. I've Searching for just Molcar. Uh, I've put the, no M O L C A R. I've put a link in Facebook. Okay. Um, and there's the you can't watch it anywhere, and it's all in Japanese. And there's one episode a week on the Bandai YouTube channel, and then they take it down. Yeah. Bandai has a fucking YouTube channel. So it's like toys, yeah, like Bandai toys, and they've got a YouTube channel, okay. and on there they release, <laughs> and it's amazing, and it's so delightful, and the oh animation is fucking fantastic. Um, this is the best. It's so good. But there's like there's like, like different so like yes they're cars but they do things different yeah. every week like this one's a race but sometimes like there's a bank robbery <laughs> and like they get held up and there's like robber robber cars but they're all guinea pigs it's so yeah. bizarre I fucking and they're know. only like two and a half minute long so there's there's also people there isn't, <laughs> there isn't any in this episode but there's people in the show as well and they just use like little figure stick figure characters yeah. for people but then they zoom into those people and it's real people. Really? So they'll have sets where like the people yeah. are like inside the cars and the cars made of felt. It's just amazing. <laughs> I can't I can't get over how much I love this show. 
but I want I want to find out where you can like actually buy it or see it or yeah. watch it because I, I just keep getting these like thirty seconds clips on YouTube. <laughs> It just ate a carrot, and now it's got a boost. This is fucking amazing. Right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pause that. Otherwise, I'm just gonna watch it all show. God, this is really well yeah. done. It's so good. Like that's the emotions you get, and like when they eat food and stuff, it's just beautiful. Um, yeah. So that's that's my recommendation. That's a, that's a good shout. Uh, is that all of your AOB? That is my full Al's other business. Cool. Uh, Brett, have you got anything? Uh, no, none for cool. me. Keep up uh, the good I, work. I, I have a, a quick uh, AOB as well. Um, so before Christmas, um, I don't know whether you guys remember, but I was getting super stressed about um, a video for, um, I think I can kind of say that we, we basically we've been working with uh, Uni that make pizza ovens. Um, and we've made 100 axes for them uh, that they're going to be selling through their website. They go on sale uh monday so tomorrow or two days ago depending on when this comes out um and uh yes yeah, so we've made this hundred axes really good project really good fun to be part of um and they wanted a filmmaking of the process so um they said that they wanted a 10 minute film um based like on the style of films that we make so uh we cut it down and because there's so much involved and because it was the forging process and the um the uh like the use use of the oven afterwards so we we went with gil meller and, and did a, a load of cooking um ended up the the shortest i could get it down without it just not making any sense was uh just under 15 minutes um they looked at it they really liked it but they said is there any chance we can um like would you mind if we just cut it down a little bit more so, uh cut like as long as we get to see it first, then I guess that's okay. Um, and ended up sending them like the the raw footage. Um, so what they've done is uh, they they've just cut loads out and put everything into like triple speed, and it <laughs> fucking awful. Oh god, <laughs> yeah. Um, so super happy about that. But that does mean that uh, because of that, and because they've cut a load of other stuff out, we're just putting the video that we made the pro on. for proper one. Yeah, the proper yeah. one on our channel. Um, we oh, we want to be making a like a like a fifty minute long one because there is there's like ten hours of footage and we could easily make an actually genuinely interesting fifty minute long video on it. Um, that might happen at some point. Um, but yeah, by the time this comes out, there will be a new video on the Forge channel about making one hundred axes. So did he say um, they're going on sale on the uni on the uni website? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think that's how they're doing it. Um, they'll be doing it through their social media, I imagine. Right. Um, but yeah, it will be through uni, not through us. Um, and they're the I don't know if you would have seen them on the Forge um, or on the Alex Paul Ironwork yeah, yeah. Instagram, but they're the black handled axes yeah, yeah, we've been making. So yeah, uh, they will be available. I think most of them are going to be sold pretty quick because they've already put in an order for another 50. Mm. Um, so yeah, go watch the film if you haven't by the time you hear this. Uh, right. I think that's it. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks or, as previously mentioned, The Forge on YouTube. Uh, you can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13, and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Yes, you can. There we go. Uh, 
And if you want to find us as a group, uh, Fools with Tools uh, in all of the usual places. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, until next week, no pressure. Just take it easy because we love you.